on those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verde Mean, time for another edition of Serie Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast on Calcio at the highest level. Frank Cravello here. Glad you've clicked on and gotten stuck in with us. And while Serie A might be taking a break, we certainly aren't. Uh, and while Italy are also apparently taking a break, too, we certainly aren't. Uh, but uh, let me bring in my uh, co-host here and say ciao to Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing despite the incompetence of Ital- Italy soccer? Uh, we're doing okay. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things. You'd, I'm I'm one of those that I try to, with the exception of this podcast, I've got, you know, I spend five minutes afterward that probably break something in my house and then I get on with my life. So, um, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we're back. Um we do want to apologize for last week. Be you know before we before we move on here, uh, just some technical issues with the podcast recording. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, really all you missed was uh, uh, Lazio were fantastic and Milan still have work to do. It's pretty much what it was in in the hour and fifteen minutes that Richard and I uh, recorded. So that's a good uh, summary. That's a good summary. Yeah, pretty good summary. You didn't miss much, and and you didn't miss you know you also you can you can. I ranted about Italy's uh, uh, squad selection, and you can also just you can look me up on Twitter for that. So, um, <laughs> just the recording would have just been a double down of that. But uh, you know, we do have a guest. We are going to spotlight another club here uh, as uh, part of uh, this edition of the Serie A sit down, and uh, this guest joins us for the first time. She is a Serie A correspondent for the Sportsman. She also writes for Football Italia. She has been featured in Mundial Magazine and on Guardian Sport. She's a fan of Fiorentina, uh, which is who we're going to spotlight here uh, at the Serie A sit-down. And we say benvenuto to Chloe Beresford. Hi, Chloe. Uh, hi, thank you for having me on. No, pleasure to, pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Um, so uh, why don't, before we get into the you know, Q&A here about Fiorentina, just a uh, Maybe uh, a little bit of a, a little bit about you and a little bit of the work you're doing for the listeners. Um, well, I support Fiorentina due to a, a family link. Um, my great grandfather was a reserve player for Manchester City. Um, he was kept out of the side by some really good international players, um, but there was an occasion on a post-season tour that um, those players went off on international duty, and he got his chance and he actually played in the Stadio Artemio Franchi against Fiorentina and scored a goal. Um, so it's kind of born from that really. Um, my dad first went to go and see where he'd played um, and then I joined him on the next trip and we made friends there. It's, you know, it's it's now become a, a second home for us and they're, the fans there are, are our friends. I'm really interested in the in the story that brought us there in the first place. So it's, awesome. it's kind of a good link really. <laughs> Outstanding. I, there's yeah, not many. Yeah. Uh, not many. There's the, my uh, my wife and I. We were in Italy uh, nine years ago for a honeymoon, and Florence was my. I'm a I'm a Milan supporter, but Florence was my favorite city of every of, of all the places we visited. So yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, it's just a fantastic place. Yeah, really nice place to go. I, I love how everything's just so close together. Uh, yeah, it's really walkable. <laughs> pretty. <laughs> Yeah, pretty pretty convenient at that rate. But that's that that that's excellent. That's a great story. You know, appreciate uh, certainly appreciate you sharing that. So yeah. <laughs> um, what I don't know if this is going to be pulling teeth for you, but we're going to talk a little Fiorentina. Um, okay. Or if it's <laughs> or if it's uh, or, or or if it's good to talk about them. But um, 
you know, I'll start with where they're currently sitting, uh, you know, in the table and, and kind of a, uh, you know, a status report on them through the first seven games. Uh, they're in 12th. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, they haven't had the friendliest of, you know, for a team that was, was retooling, rebuilding new manager, they didn't have the friendliest of schedules, uh, no. you know, to work with. They certainly didn't have what Milan got to have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, over the first couple of months of the season. So, you know, knowing the schedule, seeing where they are, um, you know, they're 12th, they have seven points. Uh, do you find them to be, you know, on schedule, uh, ahead of schedule, or maybe a little bit behind? I think they I think they were on schedule. I think, you know, the first two defeats were inevitable really, especially, you know, playing the likes of Inter. It was it was really tough and you could see that you know, there were sort of nine new first team players brought in and and a new manager in Pioli as well. Um and they they just didn't look like a team that had ever played together which they hadn't. Um, I, and then since then, they, you know, they started to build. They got a couple of wins, and um, I was really, really confident up until uh, the last week before the break when they lost to Kievo, and that kind of, mm. I thought mm, maybe, you know, maybe they're not gelling quite as well or quite as quickly as I thought they were because <laughs> they, they kind of lost a bit of momentum with that. Um, but they, you know, they've had they've had a break now, and uh, hopefully a chance to all work together. And you know, it, to me, it's certainly an improvement on last season. You know, okay, some of the quality players have left, but under Paolo Souza, they were just headless chickens. There was no set formation or team selection, and now they look like at least like there's a plan and that they're working towards something which is just so much better. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of considered them slightly ahead of schedule just because I, you know, when Richard and I previewed, previewed the season, you know, we looked at Fiorentina and we looked at all the turnover and, and we'll, we'll get to a few, uh, you know, questions on that here. But mm-hmm. we, we looked at all the turnover and we thought, you know, last year Sampdoria had these issues um, under Giampaolo. There was a, you know, there was a grace period that was definitely needed. Uh, yeah. Which saw them spending a lot of time in the bottom half, but then once the once 2017 came around, you, Sampdoria were just a completely different team, winning left yeah. and right, winning both times at the San Siro, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's carried over. We have the same feeling about this Fiorentina team. Do you? Yeah, I, I'm I'm optimistic. I, I think that they, they will get it right. There the, there are some quality young players in the squad, and I think. Um, as I said before, after the chaos of Suzo's tactically not not you know switching formations every week, Pioli is very settled and he's he seems to be explaining things properly to the players. And I, I do think they will it will click, and I do think in, in the second half of the season they may well come into their own. You know, you you talked about you know a little bit of Suzo and, and Pioli. You know, I kind of want to go in a little more in depth of that. You know. From what from what you know about Pioli and what you've seen so far through seven games, um, how do you compare him to to Souza? You did you already said a little bit more. He's a little bit better tactically. Um, but what what have you seen as a Fiorentina fan comparing the two managers? I think he's got a much more of a, a hands on approach. He's he's on the pitch before the games, warming up with the players. 
He has um, a background at Fiorentina because he played there and he played there at a very, very special time when Claudio right. Ranieri was the coach and they had Battistuta. Oh, yeah. So he un- he understands what the team means to the fans, absolutely, um, which, you know, Souza obviously didn't have that background. In fact, the fans were not happy when he arrived because he used to play for Juventus. Right, right. Um, but he also, um, the younger players like Federico Chiesa, He's, you know, whilst when Chiesa's playing, he's sort of shouting instructions at him and 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 giving him direction. Pioli is then when he's coming off, he's putting his arm around him and he's being that father figure, which Souza certainly wasn't. He seemed to be an odd character, not very good at man management. He seemed to, you know, in the at the end of last season, the club brought in um, Sportiello and Saponara, yes. and he he because he'd fallen out with the club basically by this point he basically just refused to play them and it's come out since that he sort of said well they're not my players I'm not going to play them even though you know they were obviously quality players so I think there was a bit of pettiness with Souza as well um and yeah just just glad that he's gone to be honest <laughs> well what do you what do you think about the the formation i know currently they're using something like a four two three one but it doesn't really suit a player like uh banasi um people no. are talking about like switching a formation to maybe a four three three where it would suit him in the middle or even something with like a three man at the back um that would help actually help bring in uh, vitor hugo off the bench too because you know you guys pay like eight million uh euros for him so what do you think about the possibility of formation change and what do you think suits the team better well I think I think certainly Benassi would be better in the midfield I think playing as that Trequatista in the three um behind Simeone who's playing on his own up front is is not really working um it seems that 4-2-3-1 is um Pioli's preferred formation I think he played that when he was at Inter but um, the the only concern I'd have about sort of playing three at the back is that the fullbacks, uh, the new fullbacks, seem to be doing well, and you know Fiorentina haven't really had decent fullbacks for a long time, and I think those going forward are are doing well. Um, yeah, it's difficult, really. I, definitely, Benassi needs to be dropped back into the midfield. Um, Maybe, like you say, maybe a four-three-three would work better because Simeone does seem to be very, very isolated, and he's not getting any service. It was that was the case against Juventus and and again against Chievo. So, um, but I, you know, I think Pioli is tactically smart, even though he prefer, prefers the four-two-three-one. I think you know he's he's smart enough to make the changes when they're necessary, and at least, like I say, he's had this international break to be able to work on it so right. you know we might we may, may well see something different against Udinese next week we just have to see yeah um I want to I want to shift the uh the focus of this conversation to the Della Valle family mm-hmm. um you know it's the owners of Fiorentina there were some stories that broke out a little earlier in the summer that uh they're willing to listen to offers to buy the club um yeah. now with the way the Mercato went, um, you know, the departures, you know, Nikola Kalinic, uh, Borja Valero, Matias Vecino, um, you know, a couple of others that just are escaping me right now that also departed. Um, and then replacing them, you know, okay, Giovanni Simeone comes in and, and spent a decent fee for him. Uh, Benassi was a, 
a, a good get, as you guys were talking about. Um, you know, and some of the other players, I think Valentin Iseric is going to is, is an improving player. He had a nice season at Nice, pardon the pun, um, <laughs> last year. Last year, and then Jordan Vera too is a better than you think player who yeah. just kind of gets you know, you know, kind of gets the cold shoulder from critics because of the, because he was part of Aston Villa's disaster, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of seasons ago. But he had a nice yeah. season at Saint Etienne last year. Yeah. Um, you know, so the replacements you know, uh, by name, don't scream the quality uh, of the players that left. Um, but, uh, you know, to you, does that suggest that this team is watered down and ripe for a sale? And are the Delhi Valleys really serious about this? Um, I think it's a complicated um, question, really. I, they, they, um, the acquisitions this summer are very much the work of Pantaleo Corvino, sporting director, who is very, very good, proven track record, uh, okay. bringing in unknown players at knockdown prices. Um, I think he's he's done a great job at that. And, you know, Fiorentina have pointed to the fact that they have invested some quite a, a good amount of, of the money that was raised through all those sales in the summer. And, uh, you know, looking at it from that point of view, I guess that is fair enough. They're, they're trying to build a team for the future, more Italians in the squad, more young players, and they've reduced their average age considerably. Mm-hmm. The other thing that people may not realise is that, yes, they spent the money, but they have massively slashed their wage bill um, by doing so because these players that have come in are, are on much less money than the ones that they let go. So it was a, co- a cost-cutting exercise, even though it's worked out okay in the end um i think you know the Dell valleys came in when fiorentina were in trouble they were bankrupt um relegated everything and you know they they resurrected the club and i think that people in florence will always be grateful for that mm-hmm. um but since then you know they 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 own this they they are billionaires they own this todd's todd shoes brand um, and the feeling in Florence is that they use Fiorentina as a way to self-promote themselves um, without putting the necessary funds into the club. Funds that, you know, as a billionaire, billionaires, you would think that they, they had at their disposal. So, you know, when they put the club up for sale this summer, it was in response to comments from Roberto Carvalho, who who sort of said, you know, we need a, a consortium of Florentines who actually care about this club. And they called the Della Valleys out for lots of things that um, they, you know, they've they've done and lack of investment and everything. Um, and then their immediate response was to put the club up for sale. Now, to me, it it seems a bit like an empty petty gesture like you know right we'll find you're on your own then we're going to put the club up for sale um because they they actually do gain a lot of benefit from owning Fiorentina and um I think I think you know it is just my opinion but I think they really want to keep the club but keep it where they don't have to personally invest too much money. They've, they've come out in the press and said that from now on, Fiorentina need to be self-financing because they're not prepared to invest because mm. there is this break with them and the supporters. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. As yet, nobody's come forward or they've not accepted any any offers. There's nothing concrete, but we'll, we'll have to see. But there's certainly 
behind the scenes at Fiorentina, there's a, a lot of bad blood and bad feeling. I think. Mm. I mean, it just it, it the 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 structure of the squad and how it was put together for this season. Just uh, I I I just I sense the parallel with Milan last year, um, where yeah. you know players were brought in on the cheap. It wasn't a yeah. massive commitment to move on from them. Uh, if they had to, a you know a Jose Sosa, for example, could go back to Turkey, and you know, and yeah. some of these, you know, and some of these other guys, um, you know, so it, it 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 had that same feeling and that story that you know the stories that came out early on in the summer. It was just me putting trying to put two and two together here. So yeah, uh, but uh, uh, but no, it, I mean it's it's interesting stuff, especially about the um, especially about the Della Valley family and their and their rescuing of the club uh you know during bad times so mm. you know if if that ever came um you know if, if if that ever if that ever came will their legacy be sit they they, they saved the club or will it be you know the, the the hard feelings of the last few years because i think sometimes as fans we get fickle and mm. we re- we only remember what happened yesterday we don't remember what happened years and years ago so right. you know when the Ber- when berlusconi moved on um you know you know the the most loyal Milan. I've been a Milan fan for over thirty years. Uh, you know, looked at it and said, "All right, successful president. All right, these last few years were terrible, but I mean, yeah. you know, take a look at the In big general, picture and yeah. take a look at where yeah. he took Milan." Is the sentiment similar to the Delhi Valley family? Should they ever, you know, should they ever sell um, that? Hey, they we, we're we're indebted to them. They saved the club. I'm not sure, to be honest. I think the vitriol towards them in Florence can't be underestimated. I think they they feel that um, in Florence there's a certain um, there's a certain air of they they're very very proud of their city. There's only one team in the city. Um, they their identity is very important to them. The shirt. Um, they don't mind losing so much they they would rather the team played with passion and heart and give their all and he's all of their feeling is like that and for for people to come into the club who they feel are totally at odds with that and that they take they they feel that the owners take their passion and and what makes the club so special and try and profit from it and i think that that really is against everything they stand for and yes they saved the club and I'm sure if they do sell the club there will be some mention or tribute to that but I I think that they the way that they've run the club since then has spoiled that initial saving of the club and I, I, I don't think they feel any Certainly, the more hardcore of ultras, they they don't feel any feeling towards the Dallas Valley is any positive feeling. They just, you know, they they just so at odds with how the fans feel, and they're not in touch with them. So, mm. yeah, I, I don't think it will be the same as what happened with Berlusconi at, at Milan. I just, it's it's not quite the same for me. Sure. And you talked about that, how like, um, you know, the team has sold a bunch of the talent last year, this past summer, and they acquired nine new players. Um, you know, two of the two players in particular that I want to talk about that are on the current squad, um, Kuma Babakar and more importantly, Federico Chiesa. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of teams have been sniffing around them this summer and surely this, you know, this January coming up, they're going to be, you know, talking about these two guys again, especially Chiesa because he's so young. 
Um, yeah. How do you feel, uh, you know, as a supporter with, you know, your, one of your best players, you know, Chiesa being linked to all these other big, big clubs abroad? Um, I mean, surely you want to keep a player like him because, you know, the history that he has with the, with the team and everything. But um, it's also talent that you don't want to lose because you already lost so much over the summer. And, you know, players like Babacar and, you know, Chiesa, they can contribute to the team and help the team, you know, get better and move up in the table. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my my concern when they sold all those players was that, um, you know, when you bring in a whole lot of new players, who who's going to represent the team? Who's going to be an icon or a, a leader? And so many of those icons, you know, especially the captain, um, Gonzalo Rodriguez and Borca Valero, who were so in love with the team and the city, it, you know, it, it, football is not just about, a, a lineup on paper. It's they've got to be players in there that feel something for the team and represent exactly. represent mm-hmm. the the club. Um, but after all those players have left, upstep Federico Chiesa. He he was the only player um, at the kit launch. He posed um, uh, with four players from um, the city's Calcio Storico game. Uh, because the shirts this year are of the second shirts are four different colours to represent the four quarters of Florence, oh. and that that yeah is it, it's amazing that the way they've done it and and he was the focal point and the representation and they've handed him this really important role um, in the club and for the supporters and yeah he's only young but I think that grounding with his father having played for the club right. you know he put a picture on Instagram as him as a little boy and he was waving a Fiorentina flag and you know I think he gets it and he, he understands in a way that um, Federico Bernadeschi really didn't um, it, it, I think he can become a real uh, focal point for the team and yeah, he has got a, clearly a lot of talent and it will be hard to hang on to him, but I don't think he will walk away as easily as Bernadeschi did, um, you know. Yeah, you know, you talk about Bernadeschi. Um, it's funny because you said, you know, Chiesa gets it while Bernadeschi doesn't. I read an mm. article recently that, you know, I know back in the day when Baggio was there um, and he and he went to uh, uh, Juventus, he said he would never mm-hmm. take a penalty kick against his old team. On mm. the other hand, Bernadeschi said recently, Hey, if I played Fiorentina, I'd have no problem taking the penalty kick against him. So obviously no. he never got it. You know, he's no. bigger things in mind, I guess. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, I don't understand why he didn't get it because he's, you know, his family are, are local to the area. He um, he grew up at Fiorentina. And, you know, for, for me, having been to lots of Fiorentina games, when you're in that atmosphere and it's so... You know, I, I was there on, on the night when last season when they played against Juventus and they had uh, the choreography for Giancarlo Antonioni and mm-hmm. Bernadeschi was, was, was stood on the pitch wearing that same number 10 shirt that Antonioni had worn in the past. And that choreography was just spine tingling. It, it, you know, you could not fail to be affected by that. But it, it comes out, it turns out that he, at that point, had already agreed to go to Juventus, and I, 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 to me, I don't understand how that how that didn't affect him, and it's clearly not affected him since. He's, he's clearly just not that kind of guy. He was obviously very focused on his career from the very beginning, but you know, there were times on the pitch where his attitude wasn't great, and he was lazy, and 
you know, you just don't get that with Chiesa. Sometimes with Chiesa at the moment, he's guilty of trying too hard, keeping yeah, the ball too yeah, long. Exactly. Um, because he, he's complete, to me, he's just completely the opposite of Bernadeschi. So, you know, ho- hopefully we can hang on to him a little bit longer. Uh, agreed. A promising talent. And, uh, you know, when the turnover all happened, uh, you know, one of the things that I thought immediately was, okay, this is, this is set up for Federico Chiesa to now take on a lot more uh, for La Viola, um, yeah. you know, and he's he's turned in some pretty good performances so far. So mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll yeah. hope that uh, we'll hope that he continues. I mean, uh, he, he clearly, uh, you know, clearly uh, a certain manager of a certain national team doesn't agree with us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I know we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. I do want to close with a, a couple of a couple of quick questions. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. uh Going forward now for Fiorentina, um, you know expectations coming off the break. Uh, they've got they've got a pretty friendly schedule here. Udinese home, Benevento away, uh, Torino home, Crotone away. All of that before uh, the clash with Roma. Yeah. Um, you know, sitting twelfth right now. Uh, you know, you know, kind of given how they've done a little bit here. Um, are we? Still holding out hope for a push for a top six place, or is this a team that's going to be firmly in that seventh, eighth, ninth, uh, you know, position when the um, you know when the dust all settles at the end of the season? It's it's hard to say, really. I mean, like you say, with the fixtures that are coming up, I really think we could gain some momentum from those. Um, I think I think maybe realistically, seventh or or eighth is is looking likely. Um, especially with some of the good form of the other sides at the moment. Um, but, you know, I think, again, uh, referring back to the fans at Fiorentina, I think um, they would rather see some fight and some good performances and some exciting matches where the team are giving 100%, um, even if it means that they don't they, they finish a little bit lower this year. I think it's viewed as a, a transition year, and then hopefully we can go forward and, and build on that. You know, something something like a nice run in the Coppa Italia would be good if we could manage it. It would, you know, they the I think it's maybe two thousand and it was under Mancini two thousand and one. I think maybe when they last won the Coppa Italia and bringing a trophy to Florence would just be amazing it would be unreal so you know we can always hold out hope for something like that in mm-hmm. the future mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> yep agreed okay just a couple quick questions on the city of florence first of all uh, better gallery the academia or the uffizi um i have to say that i in florence i prefer the outdoors <laughs> okay uh, yeah that's a good answer. perfect um perfect well, it's, great it's, answer it's, it's it's like to me it's like an outdoor museum. Um, there's so much to look at, and it's the weather's so beautiful yeah. that I, I I can't bring myself to spend. I mean, I like art and um, you know everything like that. I'm not an, an uncultured person, but I just love wandering in Florence and looking at all the beautiful things that are are outside. Um, I just I can't. Maybe if I go in, you know, deepest January where it's pouring it down, might. I might uh, decide to queue up and go in, but it's funny when you when you visit a city a lot, you you start to not become a tourist and become more more yeah, yeah. integrated, yep. and that, that's just how I feel, really. All right, uh, a a a uh, a staple uh, in Florence is wild boar. Mm. Where's 
where's the best place to get it? Um, I've actually had very, very good wild boar in Siena. Ooh. That was, oh, that was, yeah. Writing that, that was, note right now. It was, <laughs> it was delicious there. Um, obviously, uh, Bistecca alla Fiorentina is, is, you is fantastic. Can't, you can't, you can't be a Fiorentina supporter and say the best wild boars in Siena, isn't that? I know, I, I know. I've just, I've just committed treason, blasphemy, everything. <laughs> <laughs> but if you actually, a really, really good tip is, um, the Mercato Centrale um, in the San Lorenzo district. Okay. And um, in, it's a very old, beautiful market building. Mm. Underneath on the bottom floor is where all the locals go and, and buy their produce. But upstairs is uh, a wonderful uh, place with all lots of tables. It's good if you want to go in a big group. And around the outside is lots of different stores and you can get all different types of food. But it's all locally sourced um, specialty dishes. So, for example, they have the um, they have uh, hamburgers and uh, things like that from uh, the Kianina cow, which is a special Tuscan cow. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have uh, um, pizza making and pasta from local places, local cheeses. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere where you can go with a group of friends. You can all have something different to eat. There's a bar down the middle. It's just it's just a really great place. Hey, Frank, I'm kind of uh, – are we on the cooking pod now? It feels like I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I... We did a uh, yeah. I'm asking we, for some we, recipes. We actually did a we actually did a cooking course when we were there uh, at uh, in uh, was the name of the place and uh, made our own four course meal and then we had dinner on another night over at uh, Cantinetta Antinori. Um, All right. I remember that. I remember that well. Uh, we went there just for a glass of wine one night and we said, you know, we're going to come back here for we're going to come back here for dinner tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. So. Everything yeah. just you're just smelling everything that went by. Which yeah, just, you can't uh, really get a bad meal. You can't. You, you know. It's just—it's also wonderful. Mental note, Richard: Do not do this pod on an empty stomach anymore. No, I <laughs> know. Uh, yeah, uh, noted. We, we we drifted, but no, it's just uh, uh, have nothing but great things to say about that city, and yeah. uh, you know, certainly, obviously, uh, you know, Fiorentina having a little bit of transition, but they have an excellent manager in Stefano Pioli, in my opinion, who was hard done by yes. uh, Inter, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know some. You know, some promising players, uh, you know, is pretty, you know, overall with the departures, what they replaced them with. I was impressed. Some names that, you know, the casual fan aren't going to know, but, uh, mm. you know, a team that, uh, you know, a team that's going to definitely be working their way up. So definitely it was awesome to talk, uh, talk a little Fiorentina with you. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm hoping for a win next week against Udinese because I'm off there on Thursday. Uh, you know, <laughs> Sonia, you know, you, you know, Sonia Misio, uh, who we had to talk good. Yes. I'm sure. I'm sure the messages between the two of you are going to be interesting next week. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Make those but... public on make those public on Twitter for the rest of us to see. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, that was the uh, wrap on Fiorentina. Any thoughts or comments on uh, what you learned? Go to Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Oh, we have to get into this Italy Macedonia game, don't we? Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right. Um, so we had uh, World Cup qualifying, uh, some crucial games. I think that Italy's uh, fate was already sealed after the defeat at Spain. But, you know, going into this World Cup qualifier, you wanted to see some life in this team. You wanted to see some fight in this team. 
Um, the absence of Andrea Bellotti may have forced uh, manager Giampiero Ventura's hand uh, to playing more of a 3-4-3. It was the reunion of the BBC. Uh, Barzali, Bonucci, and Chiellini at the back. They went with uh, uh, Davide Zappacosta as the right uh, right back. They went with a midfield of Marco Parolo and Roberto Gagliardini as, the, as injuries to Marco Verratti and Daniele De Rossi <coughs> made them unavailable. Somehow, Matteo Darmian continues to get games for the Italian national team and doesn't get games for Manchester United. Uh, he was on the left. And then the three-man attack was Lorenzo Insigne, uh, Ciro Immobile, and Simone Verde uh, getting a cap, uh, which, uh, you know, I've got so many questions about this Italy team. I'm going to be very, very quick with the recap of the game. Everybody saw it. Five minutes before halftime, uh, Italy finally get the breakthrough, uh, a, a headed ball into the path of Ciro Immobile. He puts it across. Giorgio Chiellini with the tap in to put the, uh, the Azzurri ahead by a goal to nil. Um, and it would stay that way for a relatively long time. Italy's tactics were, I don't know if you can even call them tactics. Uh, and then uh, 13 minutes from time, they were rightly punished. Um, it was Trzkowski from Macedonia who was played through and uh, put a blistering shot past Gigi Buffon to equalize the game at 1-1. Italy responded with, I don't even know if you can call it urgency because it, it, it seemed more like haste. Um, it was not, you know, what they were doing going forward after that just wasn't clean. Uh, and Macedonia get a famous result for them, embarrassing uh, result for Italy. Nonetheless, they clinched the second spot, and with Bosnia losing uh, to Belgium, uh, Italy are assured of a playoff place come next month. Uh, Chloe, I'll start with you. I mean, is disinterested a, a, a good way to put this, to, to describe this Italy team to you? Um, I think um, without leadership, I suppose, is the, it, it, you know, <laughs> It honestly reminds me of Fiorentino under Paolo Souza, <laughs> which is not a good comparison. It's like, you know, I suppose um, the, under Antonio Conte, Italy, you know, were, we, were, we were frustrated. You know, why isn't he calling up this good young player? Or, you know, why is he relying on the old favourites, Eder? And, <coughs> uh, you know, we had, we had that with Conte, but... Ventura's taken it to a whole new level. He, he's included some of the young players that we criticised Antonio Conte for leaving out. But whilst Conte was able to really get the most from, you know, the likes of Giaccarini and players like that and, and, and get them to work hard and put in a good performance, the, the players in the current side are just... just you know, clueless about the formation. You know, the, he played a, uh, the BBC in the back three, which was something that last season was abandoned by uh, Allegri at Juventus because it, it just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it he just doesn't seem to have any clear ideas. And, you know, I, actually, I thought he was going to be a good appointment because he did good work with the youngsters at, when he was at Torino. But it makes you wonder if at an international level that it's just a bit too much for him. It's just a step too far. I, I, I don't know what the problem is with, with Jorginho. You know, to me, that he, just, just like Napoli, he, he plays a simple passing game, but he's just the best at it. And and a team could be built around him 
um, passing through the through the centre. You know, obviously, you've got Insigne from the same Napoli side. You you, you know, and then you've got the good defence. Italian defence from from Juventus you could literally make a hybrid of Napoli and Juventus playing for the national team I mean what would be what would be better than that but seemingly we've got you know the likes of Parola which you know no no disrespect to him he's he's a he's a good workmanlike player for Lazio but I'm I'm not sure that he has the talent required to have a call up for the national team it just it just all seems like you say where do you start it just all seems so clueless yeah, but I, I think in the three four three, as far as Perlo, I'm going to come to Perlo's defense a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. he hasn't had a. I mean, it, until Friday, you know, when he's been called up and when he's played for the Italian national team, he hasn't really given you a reason not to pick him. No, um, no, Fair but enough. but you know, Richard, let's talk about this Georgina here. Now, I I listened to the commentators, you know, on Friday talk about how you know because they they brought this up. Uh, they talked about Jorginho, you know, that Ventura picks his players based on who suits his system and not necessarily on form. Well, now we have a manager who is talking out of all corners of his mouth because Simone Verdi yeah. got picked on form. Mm. Stefan El Sharawi got picked on form. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, if Matteo Darmian suits your system, but he doesn't play for his club. Ader suits your system somehow, but he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't play for his club. You know, yeah. I mean, but so if it's... You know, I, to me, in part of my language, and I'm going to say this on Serie A sit down, that is a bullshit excuse. Yeah, okay. He's talking out his because yeah. he plays Insigne out of position. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. You know he played, I mean? yeah. He, and he, uh, I mean, is, is, is there a player in international, in, in, uh, at, uh, you know, playing for country more miserably misused than Lorenzo Insigne? Yeah, you know? Not. I mean, for his talent. I mean, you watch him yeah. for Napoli and he is dominant. You know, you watch him for the Italian national team and I don't think he knows what he's supposed to do out there. Yeah, it's just he's barely noticeable other than it's crazy but talk about this a little bit richard this is just absurd to talk about well i pick players based on who fits my system but not on form you can't you can't say that and then pick el shadawi and, and start verdi yeah and darmian and play darmian i mean it doesn't make sense at all i mean i it must be something that Jorginho has, has said to him or something or maybe it's something even you know that he doesn't <coughs> like him because he's not full italian i don't know because um, it makes no sense whatsoever. Even Brazil well, has said, you know, Ader's, hey, Ader's not full. Ader's not full Italian. He keeps getting picked. Well, there you go. So I don't. I have no reason, no idea why he's not picking him. I mean, even Brazil has come out and said, well, if you're not going to take Jorginho, we'll take him off your hands. So if Brazil's interested in him, he's obviously a good player. So why aren't you playing him? And you can you could fit him in this formation. You take up Parola, put him Jorginho right in there. He fits in perfectly with Gagliardini or whoever mm-hmm. you want to play in the midfield. Um, Jorginho can play there. He like like um, Chloe said. He plays a passing game. He's one of the and he's one of the best at it. He doesn't turn over the ball. He fe- he distributes the ball perfectly. Uh, he's a he's a really good player. And what, for what reason that Ventura doesn't want him to play is mind boggling. I just do not understand it. And the selection oh. that he has, I mean, like you said, like playing Verdi and, and some of these other guys, I, it's it's head scratching. I don't under, I don't understand it whatsoever. He just looks like he's just trying to play himself out of a job. No, oh, I I I I. I you know, wholeheartedly agree with this. And let's get to that. Let's, let's get to the question, Chloe, um, about Ventura and about it. I mean, I, it's gotten so bad that, you know, they still have a chance to qualify for the World Cup. There's going to be a playoff, and we'll talk about the possible playoff opponents in a minute. Let's talk about Ventura. Um, there, you know, people, including me, are calling for his head. Um, you know, it, the obvious answer is Carlo Ancelotti, because uh, he's out of a job right now, but he has said he wants to take a 10-month sabbatical and 
you know, at least Italy would be something where it's not as high maintenance as, as the everyday workings of being at a club. Um, you know, if, you know, Croatia sacked their manager just before they've got to play a huge game against Ukraine here. Uh, you know, so <laughs> there's not, this would be not, this wouldn't be a precedent if, if Italy chose to sack Ventura now, uh, before the game against Albania or after before the playoff. Would Ancelotti be the, the the right choice? Would he? I mean, he would be the immediate. He, he would be the guy you make the first call to because he's with, he's he's out of work. But uh, is is he the answer? Well, I think the obvious difference between him and Ventura is the fact that he's got so much experience on a big stage. You know, he's won the Champions League. He's he's played in different. He's managed sorry in different countries, um, and I think that that wealth of experience would would serve him well because you know it, going back to the the match against Spain um the way that Spain just crushed Italy when you think it wasn't that long before i think did they um they won didn't they against against Spain in the euros and it yes. wasn't that it wasn't that long before and and what a turnaround to be so clueless um i, I just think that in the, if ventura takes italy to the world cup smart tactically smart teams um teams with very outstanding players are just going to crush italy if they're yeah. if they're that clueless and you know uh, yes it would be unsettling to to remove him but I think I think if they can come up with a, a suitable replacement I think it's probably for the best yeah I I mean the game on Friday Richard made me actually miss the tacticians we've had in the past that yeah say okay one nil up let's just close up shop <laughs> yeah well I mean when when Ventura tries to close up shop that just means Give the other op- the other team as many shots as possible so they can score, because he yeah. does. There's no tactics defensively. He just I don't know what what he what he's thinking. What he's getting his guys sent up and try and training because <coughs> it just it was just a free for all for for Macedonia and they they got the equalizer. You're like they're yeah. lucky they didn't lose. Yeah, it's just uh, you know it's perplexing. I want to throw some names at you guys and, and and tell me what you think of them as possible. Uh, you know, national team managers. Ancelotti is the obvious one. You know, but as I was kind of going through and and you know, thinking about this, you know, and I, you know, some of it is okay, not necessarily experience because I think the hindrance to Ancelotti is look at where he's been in his last few stops. He's worked with experienced champion players, you know, and he'll have a little bit of that still at Italy. Um, you know, whether it's before, whether it's coming into the world cup or whether it would be after the world cup, um, you know, Bonucci would still be there killing players like that. Um, you know, Buffon will be retired after the world cup, of course, but, um, you know, I'm looking at, you know, is, is Ancelotti capable of taking the young players and elevating them? Or does he just want to be at a setting where he works with champions? Because that seems to have been what he just walks into everywhere he goes. So setting Ancelotti aside, um, I'm looking at managers who have maximized effect on players. W- what would you guys say to Marco Giampaolo over at Sampdoria? Chloe? Well, I'm a massive fan of Gianpaolo. I've followed him since his days at Empoli. And, um, you know, I've sat in on one of his, his press conferences and he's really, he's really uh, a charism. He's quietly spoken, but he's really a charismatic uh, man. And I think his skill in bringing the, be- the most from players 
uh, and uniting a team, you know, really, really would be very effective. The only problem with that approach is that it, it does need time. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously Italy don't really have that amount of time. And I also think right. that he's quite a loyal guy and I think he's probably wedded to the project at Sampdoria right now. I, I'm not sure, you know, I think he would only take the job when he felt it was the right time. If 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 he if he came in now and it was a disaster, you know, because he's because he's not a big name, people would jump on him straight away and then, you know, he could be sacked and then, then where is he? He's without a club again. So... I, you know, I, I'm not sure he would go for it right now, but he's he's definitely one of my favorite coaches in Serie A. Sure, sure. Richard, let's rattle Juve fans. How about Allegri? Say he's he's finally bored at Juventus and can't get them any further than he's gotten them. Would he uh, make a, na- a good national team manager? I think he would. Um, if you're looking at it, I'll give you this. If, if Ventura, you know, Italy gets assured the playoff spot and they're, they're going to the World Cup, you know, could you bring Allegri in now? I think you bring Ancelotti in now and, and have him go into the World Cup. Could you bring Allegri? I think you could. Um, he he's he, tactically he's he's super, far superior to Ventura. Um, <laughs> that's not even close. Um, and the way the players that are currently there now, he has familiarity with them, and you know he he he's, he has a good mix of older players and younger players on the team. So I think he would be a good fit, not only just you know after the World Cup, but also right now if they qualified and they need a new manager going into the World Cup. I think he would be a good fit. Yeah. Um, Gianluigi Buffon, uh, said that, uh, I, I think I thought I saw a press clipping of him saying that it, it seems like the national team, Italy is still in shock from the defeat at Spain. I will, it shouldn't, it didn't shock any of us. And I, it didn't shock me from the, uh, lineup that was picked and the formation that was picked. So, yeah. um, you know, so, uh, it might, might come as a shock to him. It didn't come as a shock to the rest of us, but. They're in the playoff places, <clears throat> you know, that draw is coming up and it's, you know, not known whether they're going to be one of the seeded teams or not. They're the team that's really in flux when you look at all of this. Let's just run through the possibilities that of, of who they could draw. Okay, Group A, Netherlands and Sweden are, Netherlands, it's, it's pretty much Netherlands and Sweden. France are going to, France are going to win at home, uh, you know, against Belarus and, and clinch that World Club place. At least you would think there's another team that has issues right now. Um, drawing at home against Luxembourg. I mean, they're just, for all that talent, it's so hard to trust. <clears throat> but you got Sweden and Netherlands playing for ultimately a playoff spot unless France ends up slipping into that second-place position. Group B, Portugal and Switzerland. One team's clinching, one team's in the playoff. Group C, Northern Ireland has clinched it. Group D, Wales and Ireland are going to play each other for a playoff place because effectively Serbia at home against Georgia, you got to think they're going to they're gonna knock that off. Uh, Denmark playing a lockup, a playoff place at home against Romania. Uh, you know, you know, Poland should beat Montenegro and clinch in that group. So you, you got Denmark, uh, you know, Scotland, if you ask Laura Bradburn, they're going to go to Slovenia and win five nil and clinch that playoff place. <laughs> um, but that, that's not a done deal. You've got Slovakia playing multi, you got anyone of Scotland, Slovakia and Slovenia. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, uh, you know, Group H is, you know, they're not going to have the runner-up. Greece and Bosnia have not done enough, you know, done enough for what's required. And then Group I, you've got Croatia and Ukraine. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about some pretty good teams here. I mean, yeah, it's not current, current current form, Chloe, can Italy beat any of these teams in a home and away? <laughs> On current form, probably not. <laughs> it's hard to see them them beating anyone. You know, it's it, yeah. it can't it can't really be emphasised enough how. 
how clueless they look. It's, you know, but, you know, maybe, maybe Ventura can come up with a plan. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, ho- hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, they can they can get through. But going off that showing on Friday night, <laughs> I'm not too confident. No, no. I mean, Richard, is there anybody out of those names I ran off that you say, well, if we get if if if, if Italy draw this team, I like our chances, and we'll be going to Russia? No, honestly, no. I mean, every one of those games are a tough game. It doesn't yeah. matter who you look at. And if they can't, if they struggle against Macedonia, Macedonia is far, far inferior to all those teams that you just listed. All those yeah. teams have some, some, some degree of world class player on their, on that team. Um, you know, you don't want to play Sweden, you know, it is all those teams you listed. They're all dangerous in their own respect. I mean, Denmark just won recently four nothing against Poland. Um, so they're a good team. There's a lot of good teams in there. And it's even, even in Northern Ireland or, or Ireland or, or Wales, well, definitely Wales, but, uh, any one of those teams will be pose a, a, a big challenge for Italy, both home and away. So it's yeah. going to it's looking bleak. Yeah, yeah, something's got to change and quick, and hopefully the FIGC is recognizing this. So, um, you know, but uh, uh, okay, end this with a yes or no question. I'm going to put both of you on the spot, Chloe. I'm going to start with you. <laughs> is Italy going to the World Cup? I would have to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> By default, just because it's so hard to imagine a World Cup without Italy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? So, Richard? Oh, yes, barely. Somehow. Barely. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's that. We we're gonna we're we're gonna keep hope alive. Maybe we'll think that hey, what happened Friday is just one off. I mean, it's just it's it's. I mean, the the lack of goals here and the in the struggles, the Macedonia game, and even the win over Israel for. Serie A to have such an attacking league, and I understand there's foreign players contributing to that, but you still have Chiro Immobile there, you have Insigne there, who are, you know, who are very much among the goals, and to, 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 you know, for this Italy to struggle to score goals um, is, you know, very, very worrying, especially when Ventura is trying to play more of an open attacking game uh, than what managers have done in the past with the Azuri. So, um, but we all think they're going to go to the World Cup, regardless of who they draw. Bring on Portugal. <laughs> bring on Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. We're still going. So um, you want to vent uh, a little more about Italy or just kind of in anticipation of, you know, at Albania um, real quick guys, I, they got to, they got to win to have any hope of being seated and maybe at least have their draw be a little more comfortable. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. If, otherwise say goodbye. I don't know. <clears throat> yep. Absolutely. So, all right. Uh, Go to at Syria, sit down uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and venture frustrations. Uh, we're going to end this with uh, a little Syria look ahead. Okay, so uh, back to the clubs here relatively soon. They can't come soon enough if you're an Italy fan, as we just discussed. Um, the uh, and 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 Syria decided. You know what? After this World Cup quali- round of World Cup qualifiers, we're not going to mess around. Napoli, you got to go play Roma, and then we're also going to have the Milan derby. So uh, we are days away from that, which uh, you know, which I'm excited about. Especially the Milan fan, particularly excited excited that Switzerland didn't play Rodriguez yesterday. Um, that was nice of them. Thanks to whoever manages that team. Uh, for uh, for resting him, he's got a derby coming up, and you know, do us a favor, rest him against Portugal too. <laughs> so, is that? Too, I don't think he's going to rest against Portugal. Do you, Richard? 
No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we have, um, you know, we have, uh, as we said, we have Napoli Roma, we have the Milan Derby. We'll preview those in just a little bit. Uh, but I asked the panel to think about some things here in terms of uh, the current table position. Um, uh, so, uh, but we before we get to that, we actually have breaking news. Uh, you know, maybe not so much of a, a, a surprise. Uh, Italy legend Andrea Pirlo has decided that this will be it after this season uh, in Major League Soccer. He is going to retire from uh, actively playing football, uh, obviously currently with New York City FC in Major League Soccer here in the United States. So before we get into that, just you know, Chloe, uh, does Andrea Pirlo go down uh, as Italy's all-time greatest midfielder? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um I, I suppose as as far back as I can remember, I'd have to say yes. Um, just love to watch him play. He's just such an elegant, stylish player. Um, you know, he's he's one of only uh, ten, I think it is, players who have played for Inter, Milan, and Juve. Yeah. Um, he's 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 proved it <coughs> at, at the he's won the Champions League, the World Cup. He's proved it at the highest of levels, and he's he's just an all round awesome guy. I think he's he's he he uh, he gets my vote for that. And uh, for those of you that for the hosts of the Pieces of Me pod from several months ago, I'm just I'm putting it on record that. He goes into my 11 pieces of me team and Clarence Seedorf goes out. So, <laughs> uh, so at, at, at that moment when he finally hangs it up and when he's had his last pick of the ball. Richard, how about you about your thought, you know, you know, quick, uh, a quick reminiscence here of Andrea Pirlo. I mean, such a classy player. And I mean, I mean, Milanisi's, well, not us, but, you know, Galliani and, and maybe Berlusconi thought he was washed up at the end of, at the end of Milan career, but he only got better after that. He's such an elegant player, such classy. He probably has the best hair ever for Italy. Um, <laughs> he is de- certainly in the discussion of being one of the best Italians, uh, central or midfielders ever. Um, just just the way he goes about, he he very very rarely you know frattled, uh, rattled. Um, he's just so calm at all the times. So, you know his ability in a big game <coughs> to take a, a penalty kick and just chip it over the keeper like it's nothing. Um, his passing ability, his free kicks. I mean, gosh, this guy did everything. Yeah. He made, no, he didn't have the pace, but he had the smarts. He had the timing of all his passes. Uh, it's such a such a fantastic player. Like him, players like him or like Zidane, they're just so so lovely to watch because they just you know they weren't the fastest guys, but they 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 pulled the strings. They did everything correctly. They they mm-hmm. moved his players around and got them to go where they needed to go. The ball was always pitch perfect, so uh, he'll certainly be missed. Yep, absolutely. What a what a legend. So, uh, so congratulations uh, to Andrea Pirlo on uh, arriving at his decision to retire from football uh, for good. Go into the go into making more wine. So, uh, and uh, I'm I'm sure that's how he's going to enjoy retirement. And you're not gonna. He's a he's a pretty he's a pretty subtle guy. He's a pretty quiet guy. You're not gonna hear a whole lot of noise from him as he uh, you know as he goes on to the next stage of his life. So, uh, congrats to Andrea Pirlo on on your retirement. Um, uh, you know, clearly a legend. So now let's get into the questions. Um, we're going to start with uh, the table position that um, a team is uh, most flattered by at the moment. Um, you know, Chloe, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, looking at the teams in the table right now and looking how it's currently positioned, who's the team to you that's 
right now a little too high uh, in his in his set for a fall. Um, maybe maybe Torino, I'd say in six. I think they've had quite. I can't remember who they've played off the top of my head, but I think they've had a fairly <coughs> easy opening few matches um, and I don't think come the end of the season they're going to say stay six I mean we saw when they were really tested against Juve that they, they lost 4-0 so yeah uh, they've had three wins and three draws I think um, and one defeat against Juve so they were previously unbeaten but I, I'm not sure that they're going to they're going to stay at, at, at six maybe you know eighth ninth tenth eventually I'm going to agree with you. Before we get to Richard, I am going to agree with you on that. That was my team, Torino. Um, we got excited about them before the season, saying, okay, Joe Hart's gone, Sirigu is in at goalkeeper, and Kolo comes over on loan. The defense should be better. The defense still stinks. Um, yeah. You know, 4-0 four four defeat to Juventus aside because they had to play uh, 70 minutes on 10 men. I gave up two to Udinese, gave up two to Sampdoria, gave up two to, he gave up, you know, and, and had the 2-0 lead against Hellas Verona and ended up dropping two points in the 2-2 draw. Um, you know, and uh, they go to Crotone, you know, on, uh, you know, coming up here, but uh, Roma home, Fiorentina away, and then Inter away in three <laughs> of their next five games. It ain't going to get any better for them. No. Uh, so I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I think they're set to, I, I think they're set for a bit of a drop here. Uh, Richard, how about you? Um, I was going to go Torino, but then you guys went with with them. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Bologna. Um, you know, they, they started the season, you know, fairly impressively with three road wins. Um, you're going to lose to Napoli and Fiorentina, but, you know, they drew Inter, they drew Torino. Um, so I, I thought, I think where they're at now is, is very flattering. I don't think it's going to be, stay that way. I mean, looking at, looking at October, it's a very tough schedule. You got a tough small team. You got at, at Atalanta, uh, you play in Lazio and then at Roma. Um, it, that's a very daunting uh, October, and if they get away with one point out of that, I'd be surprised. I and mean, for a team that has been pretty pretty tough, I mean they, yeah. you know, they um, they should have beaten Inter. Um, yeah, horrible penalty call in that game. Uh, they battled with Fiorentina. Um, you know, I mean, uh, they can be excused for losing three 0 to Napoli. Everybody's losing three 0 to Napoli. <laughs> um, that's a good score, three nothing. You know, and and uh, you know, have found ways to you know have found ways to get three points. Had the draw at the beginning of the season against Torino as well. So, you know, they've done some good things. But yeah, it's 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 going to get tougher for them here in the next few weeks as well. To your point, at Atalanta, Lazio home, and then at Roma, you know, among the games they <coughs> and then they they come back and host Spal, and that's not going to be easy either. The way Spal have been playing, um, you know. So yeah, I, I I'm with you there. I can see a little bit of a drop for Bologna, but Donadoni has done a really nice job so far. Yes, yes. Um, you know, getting them in the position that they're in. So who's on the way up? Uh, you know, Chloe, give me a team that's, uh, you know, kind of sitting in a position that they really shouldn't be in and are, are uh, ready to make a move. Oh, I'm going to surprise you all and say Fiorentina. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, you don't say. <laughs> well, as, as we discussed, I think they've got some some pretty pretty nice fixtures the next four games, and I think we might we might see them rise up the table um, from that point onwards. Um, we've lost four out of seven, but you know the the opening <coughs> two can probably be discounted because they were inevitable with such a new team 
Um, and yeah, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that they can that with this international break that they've got themselves sorted and they can they can kick on now and get some good results. It's a good shout. Uh, you know, we are we expect Fiorentina to continue to you know to be in somewhat of an ascendancy here as the you know yeah. as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Richard, how about you? I'm going to go Atalanta. They started out the season with two tough matches, you know, playing Roma and Napoli, and they lost to those. Uh, but they've been on a five-game unbeaten streak. You know, they had an impressive win against Everton in the Europa League. Uh, they drew Lyon. Um, and they also drew Juve recently, which was a fan, that was an absolute, you know, barn burner of a game. It was so, it was so fun mm-hmm. to watch. And the great save of Berisha at the end of the game to stop Dybala on the penalty kick. And you're looking ahead of their October, you know, they got Sampdoria. That's, <coughs> it's going to be a tough game. Um, <coughs> Apoel in the Europa League, Bologna, that's a winnable game, Hellas Verona, they can win that, and Udinese. Um, Atalanta should not be in 11th place. They, they're proving right now that they, in the last few weeks, that they are a top a Europa League or better team, and I see them going to get back in, that, in those positions fairly soon. Excellent. Um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, I, I like Atalanta. That's a, that's a great shout there. Um, <sighs> I, I, I'm so tempted to say Genoa just to get Laura Bradburn to laugh at me. Um, <laughs> just because, I mean, well, look, quick comment on them. I, I don't think that 19th does them justice. And, and look, I don't think they're going to no. make this rise and, you know, get up to the top half. But they've been close in all of their games. Yeah. You know, they might have two yeah. points, but they have played every game close. A lot of this has to do with Mattia Padden. He's been fantastic. Um you know, <clears throat> but they have some op- they have some things going forward, you know, that seem to be working. And I don't think they're going to be stuck on five goals for long. Eventually, they're going to get this thing figured out. I, you know, the obvious one, the the kid Pietro Pellegrini, um, you know, looks a player. They've got some other pl- pieces around him that seem to work. You can have, you know, maybe Lapadula starts to get into a rhythm here. You know, but th- that's my that's my plug for Genoa. But I don't, you know, for what it's you know for what it's worth, uh, I. You know, they'll 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 go up. They'll get out of the relegation places, but not much, not much further than that. Um, so when I look at Milan, okay, um, I'm going to go with them. And yeah, it's kind of a homer call. I get I I get it, but I I take some I take some encouragement out of that Roma game. Um, they played really well until that goal happened, and then obviously everything bottomed out. Um, you know, after that, uh, they got a second goal in quick succession. Chalinola with the red card. <coughs> this is not a team that's built to finish seventh. This is a team that's eventually going to work their way up. And yes, I know the Derby's coming up in Inter, but I'm not convinced on Inter over these last few games. They've had some struggles all of a sudden. Um, you know, uh, and then uh, the Juventus game is obviously going to be a big one for them. But I think that there's too much talent for them to be this mediocre. So, you know. I'm going to go with the homer. I'm going to say Milan are on the way back up, uh, and they're going to work their way back into the top three or four from, from sitting in seventh. Um, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm not expecting that to happen immediately. Uh, you know, the Derby, I think, is going to be tough, despite Inter maybe not being what they were at the beginning of the season. Um, <clears throat> and then, obviously, Juventus lurking in the, lurking among those fixtures, too. So. Uh, that's my call. I'm going. I'm, I'm going home. I'm making it easy and going Milan uh, with with a slight with a slight nod to seeing Genoa being very competitive in all of their games. Just now needing the wins to go with it. So, um, all right. So that's that's that. So um, you know, before we get into the quick previews on Napoli Roma and the and the Milan derby, Chloe, just one general thing that you know is uh, 
catching your eye about Serie A uh, this season that you're that you're looking forward to here in the coming weeks? Um, I think the Napoli and Juventus duel is really interesting, and I think it's a lot more interesting than it has been. <laughs> in previous years. I think it's actually going to be close this time. You know, Juve may go on and win a seventh title, but, you know, there's some there's something different about Napoli this year. And I think the fact that they kept their squad together, um, the, they, uh, the players opted to come back early for pre-season training. You know, Sarri, is, he's really seemed to improved on the things that they were weak on before. I mean, they, they had a bit of a mentality issue, I think. But, you know, there's been several times this season where they've fought back and that they've they've been tougher than they were before. It just seems that there's a new edge to them um, because beforehand they were just, you know, obviously a, a brilliant side to watch, lovely passing football, but they, they didn't have the killer instinct of Juventus. And I think this year it seems like they, they've got they've they've got some of that and uh, and I just think that the title race will end up being much more interesting. Yeah, I we're going to find out a whole lot more about what Napoli are made of uh, uh mm. in the space of 7 days. Roma away, Manchester City away in the Champions League and then Inter at home. So Yeah. Uh we're going to learn a lot more uh, about the Partenope here in the coming days. I agree with that. But yeah, I I think that what we've learned through the first seven games is that it is Napoli and Juventus for the title, and it's going to go all. I think it's going to go all the way down to the wire, personally. Yeah. Um, but uh, it is going to be a fun watch week after week. Uh, Richard, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, it's, it's better for the league to have a much more competitive <coughs> title race than it's been in recent years. You know, it's, it's it's no. I'm sure more reasonable Juventus fans would agree that it, it's it's better for them to be pushed. It's better you know, just for everybody that we have a competitive league. Mm -hmm. I agree. Absolutely agree with that. Uh, Richard, uh, what do you, what's, give give us one thing you're looking forward to here over the next uh, several weeks now that we come back off the break. Um, Well, you know, to stay on the Napoli theme, you know, I'm curious to see how their mentality is going to be being the lead horse in a race for once and see how they deal with that. Um, Because it's a lot more pressure being, being in first as opposed to being in second trying to catch up. So I'm curious with that. But also how some of these teams with new players, how they how they develop. You know, teams like Torino, Milan, uh, Fiorentina, uh, Atlanta has some new players too. Um, all those all those teams with new players. I want to see how they do. And, and Sampdoria, I want to. See, I'm curious to see if they can meet expectations <coughs> and improve on where they're currently at. Because I think they have a team in there, uh, but they just need to play together and put the results on the pitch. So. Um, it's a lot of interesting uh, headlines potential uh, this Serie A season, and obviously goals. We're we've had we were lucky last year with you know, so many goals, and this season so far it looks like it's uh, continuing. So uh, I'm excited for that. Out of the five major European leagues on a goals per game basis, Serie A is the highest at 2.88 goals per game. Uh, so defensive. I know so uh, <laughs> such a Atanacio and so boring and defensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually had somebody comment on my when I put that up on Facebook saying, "Oh, it is. You watch EPL is by, by far the best." I just said, "Watch a Napoli game or watch a Roma game, and then come back yeah. and watch any me. league other than EPL. Then then come back and tell us that." Oh, very much agree with that. So, and and EPL is I think fourth or fifth on that list yeah. uh, right now. Them and Bundesliga are actually at the bottom. Um, so, um, you know, so to to that point. What I'm, what I'm looking forward to, um, Roma. 
Uh, Eusebio Di Francesco uh, looks the part right now, guys. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, take away 20 really ugly minutes against Inter, they could be perfect right now like Napoli. Um, you know, they, they, they had some departures. They lost Paredes. They lost Salah. They lost Rudiger. They've... <coughs> They made some very shrewd replacements. Alexander Kolarov showing he still got some game left in him. Uh, you know, Stefan El Sharawi. It seems like Di Francesco is getting a lot out of this kid. Um, you know, uh, you know Perotti and that ugly neck tap. That's probably the one downside to what we have to, <laughs> you know, to, you know to, to watching Roma. But you know, and Aiden Jekyll is getting comfortable and getting among the goals. That's not good news for uh, you know for, for Capocannonieri contenders, but you know opponents in Serie A either. Uh, you know, because you know, we saw what happened last year once he got going. Um, the how do how does Di Francesco manage? Because we saw it, it, it got a little ugly at Sassuolo, and Sassuolo is not the quality that Roma is. But you got to look at his fixtures. Here's what I'm looking forward to: they they're, they're going to host Napoli this weekend. Okay, you know, is the old Roma mentality going to turn up against the Parque Um And then Champions League, home and away, Chelsea. And then going to Atletico Madrid, uh, sandwiched in all of these Serie A fixtures. Um, Di Francesco has impressed me up to this point. Can he take it up a level now uh, with all of these challenges in front of him? Uh, you know, he's looking the part, but now we'll, you know, we talked about Napoli, you know, having a pretty daunting fixture list. You know, Roma, it's going to be like sitting in a dentist's chair. So, uh, you know, with those Champions League games in front of them and trying to navigate that and trying to be in a high position in the table in Serie A, too. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. How are Roma going to cope? How is Di Francesco going to cope this time around? So um, <coughs> real quick uh, predictions. Two big games this week. And actually, I'm going to throw in a third. I'm throwing that Sampdoria-Antalata game because that's, that's flying under the radar. Uh, when you, that would usually be a headline game. Unfortunately, yeah. there's the Milan Derby and there's Roma-Napoli. So, Chloe... Sampdoria, Atalanta, uh, who do you got? Um, that's really tough. Um, I think that Sampdoria are good at home. The fans are great um, getting behind them. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to sit on the fence and say 2-2 in that match. Uh, oh, nice. I'll, take, I'll take that. That'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Richard, Sampdoria, Atalanta, who you got? Yeah, I'm along the same lines. You know, I agree. Atalanta have a good squad, and some three are very good at home. So I, I was, I'm looking to draw all the way. I'm thinking 1-1. Okay, so Richard is saying 1-1. Chloe, I'm writing this down. <laughs> Chloe's saying 2-2. <two>, <laughs> oh, let's see here. Um, I, I'm going to go draw as well, and I'm going to go I'm going to go. I'm gonna go 2-2 two, two as well. Come on, Richard. This is a scoring league now. One. <laughs> okay, so Sampa Atalanta. We all think it'll be a draw. Okay, so now let's go to Roma v. Napoli. Uh, Chloe, start with you. Is this the game where Napoli are held to under three goals? Uh, yeah, maybe maybe so, actually. Um, like you say, Di Francesco is, is working well. I, I didn't think Dzeko would repeat the form of last year once Salah had stopped supplying him. Um, but yeah, they, they're doing well, but... I think Napoli are just too good at the moment. Um, so I'm going to go for 2-1 to Napoli. 2-1 to Napoli. Okay. Mm. Richard, Roma, Roma v. Napoli, who you got? It's going to be a very entertaining game, but Roma fans turn away. I think the score is going to be 3-1 Napoli. Okay, 3-1 to Napoli. 
But both of these teams have daunting uh, Champions League fixtures coming up. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how they manage this particular game. I think they're both going to have a go. <coughs> um, but I agree. I think Napoli has way too much. I, I think this is going to be one of the games of the season. And I am going to go 4-2 to Napoli. Uh, I think Napoli are that deadly going forward. Uh, I think that Roma are going to try to go for it in this game, and it's going to be a big mistake, and it's going to leave them exposed. Uh, and uh, you don't want to go for it against Napoli uh, and, and leave people leave people behind and leave spaces. Not Napoli. <laughs> so I think there's a ton of goals in this game, and I'm going to go 4-2 to the Partizano Bay. We all agree that's an away win for Napoli, so so far this is not going the way I wanted. I wanted some contrarian things. Well, yeah. there's, there's actually another big game that you, that slipped under the radar. It's Juventus and Lazio. Mm. Is Juve Lazio also? Jeez, well, let's yeah. get into that. Juve at home. Juve at home. It's, it's Juve, Juve at home against Lazio. Well, I'll go into that one first. Juve, Juve win. Uh, I'm going to go Juve 1-0 over Lazio. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it, it's at the J. You don't mess with a streak. That's just the way I see it. Uh, Chloe? Yeah, agreed. I, 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 you know, Juventus won't want Lazio after the Supercoppa. They won't want to let them uh, beat them again. So I have to say 2-0 Juve. 2-0 to Juve. Okay. Yeah. And then Richard, Richard, are you going to, are you going to break this mold? Are you going to take the chance here? Is Lazio going there and, and ending the streak? I say final score 2-1 with the late winner goes to Immobile. Oh, <laughs> you are putting yourself out there. And uh, last but not least, the Derby della Madonnina. Uh, it, it, is it Milan the home team or Inter the home team? Inter, I believe. Inter are the yeah. home team? Okay. Um, yes, that's correct. <clears throat> uh, all right. So, Derby della Madonnina, two teams that have revamped, uh, reorganized, uh, Inter v. Milan. Uh, let's start with the the uh, guest who doesn't have a dog in this hunt, uh, Chloe. How do you like this one? Um, I I really like Montella, and I think he's tougher than people think. And I think even after some uh, poor results, I think I think he's got it in him to to turn it around. Whereas I've watched into recently and not at all convinced by their performances, and they've not really have that many stern tests yet. They've had some quite quite nice fixtures so i'm gonna go for a 2-1 win for milan oh okay nice uh, i'll take that well she wants to come, <laughs> she, she wants to come back on the pot again that's, what she yeah, that's exactly it <laughs> <laughs> richard richard interview milan who you got uh, i'm gonna not go with my heart and go with my gut and i i think it's gonna be 2-1 for inter okay all right, you you are no longer welcome. Well, you record. You have to. <laughs> uh, so, uh, all right. So I, I'm going with my heart. Uh, I think that they they come back. They and, and they're going to just nick this thing. It's going to be one nil. Uh, oh, that'd be great. Uh, I think that uh, I think that they just nick this past uh, uh, past Inter. So. Um, and that this is where this is the this is the point where Milan really get things. Uh, up and running. Uh, hope, hope, hope you're right. <laughs> I hope so too, because uh, you can't keep uh, can't keep losing to teams that have a pulse and, and expecting to just get it done against all of the weak and the sad. So, yeah. um, give us your predictions: uh, Sampdoria v Atalanta, Juve v Lazio, uh, Milan derby, Roma Napoli. Huge weekend in Serie A coming up at Serie A. Sit down on Twitter and on Instagram. 
Uh, that's going to put a bow on this edition of the Serie A sit-down. Time for a uh, social media check and shameless plug of all things we're working on. Uh, Chloe, we'll start with you. Where can our uh, listeners find you on, you know, in social media and uh, maybe a little plug of some of the things you're, uh, you're up to? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Chloe J. Beresford and you can search for the same on Facebook. I do have a work Facebook page as well, which you can give it a like if <coughs> you so wish. Awesome. Awesome. And any uh, any uh, pieces that you uh, uh, any pieces that you're working on uh, that uh, we could we could be uh, well, to or be interested I've in? D- I've, ri- I've written something about Pirlo this morning, so you can probably look out for that coming out later on today. Um, I've already timing. written. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say perfect timing on that. Yeah, I saw it this morning. Got straight on it. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> you killed. Um, you just you just killed Pirlo's career. Congratulations. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> So. Uh, and uh, I've, uh, I've I also um, I've got probably a post game piece after Italy uh, tomorrow night. So fingers crossed for not another Ventura bashing. Yeah, <laughs> I welcome it. I would welcome another Ventura bashing. So, uh, <laughs> Richard, where do we find where do we find you? What are you going to be up to this week? Uh, you can find me at r underscore carmen k h a r m a n. Um, I'm just you know getting back from vacation, so I'm trying to get back into the workflow here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put some notes down here and get some get try to get some uh, ink to paper here. But uh, yeah, I'm just getting out of vacation mode now. I'm slowly coming out. Blacker. <laughs> You're supposed to come back from vacation guns blazing. So, uh, but, but it's anyway, too good of a vacation. That's probably it. All the all the great food in New Orleans has got you too heavy and too unmotivated. So that's right. I feel like Iwain. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. So uh, you can find me at ftc underscore twenty one on Twitter. Uh, my blog, The Calcio Consultant, can be found on World Football Index's website, worldfootballindex.com. Uh, coming out this week is my take on every Serie A team through the first seven match weeks. Uh, you know, a, a little bit of what we talked about in this pod, but more in detail uh, here in the blog, uh, what we've learned about each team and what we might expect about each, what we might expect from each team going forward. So do a lookout for that. <clears throat> I could have a piece about, uh, you know, possible Italian national team managers uh, a little later on in the week if things do not go so well at Albania tomorrow. Um, you know, not just Carlo Ancelotti, but even some of the guys that we talked about here. So uh, do... Be on the lookout for that, or I could just end up writing about something else. Uh, you can go to at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram, or go to WorldFootballIndex.com. As Richard says, if you don't like Serie A, you, there's plenty of other things you can listen to over there. Um, I'm doing this every week to you, Richard. I know. You never let <laughs> me live it down. Chloe, a little background on this. He was plugging another podcast after we like recorded about an hour and ten minutes worth of Serie A recap, and he. <laughs> says well if you don't like Serie A you can listen to this pod and I'm like yeah after they just listen to an hour, us for an hour and 10 minutes they probably don't like Serie A anymore so, <laughs> <coughs> so anyway uh, so that's that uh, but we appreciate you taking the time to uh, to listen to us Chloe thank you so much uh, uh, for being part of this podcast let's get you back on real soon huh yeah thanks it's been great awesome awesome and uh, for uh, those of you out there thank you for listening be sure you tell your paisans about us ciao Thank you.